Hey guys, welcome back to All Packed Up. Uh, great episode today with our good friend Bashir. Uh, he's an ambassador for uh, HOC Hunters of Color uh, and just a good dude. Uh, Kansas, what was your takeaway from the interview? Man, uh, you know, one of the things that we know living in Texas is there's just a lack of public land, so it's really hard to get out. And it's incredible sure. to see people like Bashir uh, who has private land that is not only providing access to his land so people can get out, but also mentoring and, um, and educating people on how to get outside and how to learn these skills and have these experiences to decide for themselves. Is this something they want to continue to pursue, uh, with somebody that's knowledgeable and can keep them safe and show them all the ropes. Um, incredible guy travels all over the place, super passionate about people and the outdoors and breaking down barriers. Um, great episode yeah super fun awesome dudes very thoughtful guy um i thought and just an advocate for the phrase uh outdoors is for everyone yep um what's new with pack a few new things uh we've got some new stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks as far as products um yeah we're working you? on a few things um you know some folks are trying to figure out how to hang a scout on a wall yeah, yeah, uh, so maybe uh yeah. maybe that's enough of a hint there yeah. and then um man the educate and inspire series that we just launched has been incredible super excited you know i our, our company while we build really great gear our passion is really getting people outside and so whether that's providing an opportunity to to load up and go um or to provide people the skills and the confidence to be able to get outside and 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 pursue new skills and hobbies and interests. Um, so not only providing good gear, but also the skills and resources to be able to, um, chase these dreams. Uh, yeah. it's a, it's been a huge passion of mine to be able to provide that, um, to the community. It's free of charge, log yeah. in, uh, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, not only do we already have a big drop of videos that are on there, but we're going to continue to drop more videos in those series and then additional videos throughout the summer as we continue to film them all hosted by pros that are much more knowledgeable than we are. Um, so you get the full breakdown details on how to get outside and, yeah. and uh, be rad. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, that being said, be sure. Uh, but sure. Welcome to the pod, man. Yeah, thanks it's, for having it's me. It's nice to meet you. Uh, we we thought we'd love to get you on and talk about you, what you believe in, how you get started in the outdoors, yeah. where you're from, etc. Yeah. Uh, we're talking a little bit out before we started, but uh, tell us a little bit where you're from and, and how you got to Texas. Yeah, so I uh, was born in San Antonio. Okay. Uh, grew up here uh, for a time. You know, the 80s happened, so my, my folks left and we lived in uh, New Mexico and then in Southern California and then came back to Texas when I was oh, I don't know, 11, 12 years old and, and lived in Texas up until uh, 20, uh, when did I get married? Uh, 2011 when yeah, I got yeah, married. Yeah. Uh, I remember the exact moment. Um, yeah, until 2011 when I moved up to Virginia and recently uh, within the last year, come back to Texas. So it's, it's good to be home. Yeah, man. Good. Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. It's yeah. a very different place. Yeah. God's country. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a great place to be. So yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I want to start off with this question. There's I saw the phrase, the outdoors is for everyone. Yeah. Tell, tell us what that means. Yes. So, so HOC uh, is an organization I support here in Texas. Uh, and, and what the outdoors for everyone really means to me is that, you know, this is a, I think a lot of times people have this idea of what it means to be an outdoorsman or into conservation or fisherman or, uh, you know, any of these things. And, and for us, and I think what speaks to me is that like, this is a place we all love, right? Yeah. The outdoor space and, and the wild and being in nature. And so, it is for everyone in the sense that like there's this thing that I love and I know the people that I interact with love and this is a space that like we really value. Yeah. And that it doesn't have to look like what I think it needs to look like. Right. I think there's some things around it where when we talk about what does conservation look like and what does being a good steward looks like that I wouldn't say there's inflexibility there, but there's sort of a little bit more structure. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, for me, ultimately it means that, you know, sharing in this space intentionally, um, for, for people to come and love it as well. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, totally. And HOC hunters of color. Yeah. Hunters cool. of colors yeah. organization started, uh, out of Oregon, 
Um, pretty cool story. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So really just really some, some college friends who felt very passionate uh, and went and started this thing. And, and I got involved with them. I uh, was invited on a hunt in Arkansas. Uh, okay. Went and did a, a speck belly goose hunt with them and really just shared in some incredible space for four days and kind of really hadn't thought of like, hey, I'll be the, the person that raises my hand necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but when I uh, come back to Texas, I emailed them and said, hey, you know, my family has this ranch. Love to mentor some people. And they came back and were like, well, do you think you could do, you know, would you be interested in doing yeah. more than that? Yeah. And I was like, sure, I have time for this. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, and you know, really just jumped in feet first and and have really been, you know, working to, to meet folks and to think thoughtfully about, you know, partnerships with other organizations and, and how we really show people. For me, what feels important is that not just hey, you have this affinity to my group, right? Yeah. But that you're also introduced to any number of other organizations, whether that's BHA, TWA, Black Outside, Afro Outdoors, Latino Outdoors, like, yeah. and even just like, T, you know, TYHP, you know, the Texas Youth Hunting Program, like there's this whole spectrum of, of opportunities for people. Yeah. And it feels very important for me to be an ambassador, not just for what I'm supporting but also to introduce others to what opportunities look like in this state yeah so you said something interesting you never thought you'd be the one to raise your hand yeah i feel like there's a lot of those stories yeah of guys just not fully knowing what they're what they're about to get into yeah and, yeah and then they're kind of thrusted into yeah this, this is this is definitely one of those things where um you know I've, I've always i've been in the outdoors you know throughout my life but never thought i'd be someone who like wanted to actively mentor people. Right. And I found, um, so a buddy of mine is an outfitter. And so, you know, one of the things I most enjoy in in being out on hunts with clients is like first time hunters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's a different dynamic and everything. But, uh, in terms of just introducing people and like showing them how shotgun works or showing them how to like be comfortable or like coaching them on something, you know, I remember when I was, uh, you know, if you've hunted for a while, you, particularly if you've bird hunted, you gain a lot of confidence in what birds you shoot and what birds you miss. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember I was, I was uh, in the blind with a, a new, a guy who you just started hunting and, and, you know, he, he shot this bird like hands down. Right. Yeah. And he, I was like, I like turned to him and I was like, Hey man, Joel, like phenomenal job. And he just shot that bird. I think it was like maybe his first or second bird. He's like, yeah. no, I didn't shoot it. And I was like, no, 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 no. I can tell you hundred <laughs> percent. You did. Right. You did, yeah. And so there's this kind of moment where it's like, Hey, you can, your confidence can give someone else confidence yeah. and give somebody else the opportunity to not just say, Oh, you know, somebody else shot the birds today or like, no, I was, I was a party to this hunt and I contributed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, cool. That's incredible. I think it's awesome that, uh, you know, with TWA, they've got a lot of land partners that, that have space that, and they take these groups out there. I love that you're the land partner and the guy saying, I'm going to also be there and show you how to do these things. Yeah. You know, Texas, one of the, I'll say it's the only downside to Texas is the <laughs> lack of public land. And so if you, if you want to go, um, hunting, if it's land hunting, yeah, it's pretty tough. There is public land, but there's just not a lot of it for the amount of people that are in the state that want to do it, and it gets well, crowded. And there's also not a culture here of public land right. hunting, right? Um, totally. When I lived in Virginia, I had never been on a WMA in my life, right? Like I was told, like, hey, why would you not hunt your ranch or a ranch yeah. you get invited to? Yeah. If you go hunt public land, you're going to get shot and killed, yeah. right? Like that was like a hundred percent what I was told, and like fully believed. It's pretty right? normal. It's just pretty yeah, normal. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's not to say like the orange army isn't real. That is a really thing that happens. <laughs> but part of it is that, you know, folks just need to be educated on what opportunity looks like. Right. Yeah. And that's like one of the things I really appreciate about the work TWA does, which is that they're actively seeking those opportunities in places that like you just would never like my family owns a ranch in Williamson County. That's where I spend 95% of my recreation time in, in the state. Right. Yeah, yeah. And unless somebody invites me onto their ranch, I'm never going to yeah. see a part of Texas that doesn't look like right. the North San Gabriel river. Right. Yeah, right? Totally. And that's what I think is so wonderful about when landowners do open up and share, which is like, you're just sharing like this bounty that you have. Right. Yeah. And it costs you really nothing to do. Um, but it is super impactful for people to come and see those places. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, totally. Talk about uh, how you guys started uh, hunting. And- yeah, so my, my dad doesn't hunt. My mom doesn't hunt. My cousins hunted. Uh, a couple of my cousins hunted. And it's really my aunt when I was had come back from California to Texas who 
you know, basically threw me in a deer blind with her and one of my other cousins. And that's how I started hunting. There you go. <laughs> uh, and I would say I probably caught the bug more than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's really how I started hunting was, was through, you know, someone saying, I'm going to take you right. Yeah, and, yeah. and making it a, a point to take me and, and uh, you know, I, I didn't, sh- I started hunting when I was about 14. I did not shoot a deer until I was 18, wow. uh, which is quite a long time. It wasn't yeah. for lack of effort. Um, <laughs> But I think about that and I sort of how to educate my perspective, right? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. you know, a lot of times, particularly new hunters feel like if they weren't successful in harvesting or shooting an animal, that they aren't a hunter yet, right? Yeah, yeah. And one of my big things is to talk to people about their intentionality, right? Like, yeah. you came here, you bought the gear, you put the jacket on, you woke up early, you know, and you went and were present in this space. Yeah. And, like, that is what hunting is. Yeah. Like, the, the shooting of an animal is integral to this like long-term activity, but it's not in it, you know, integral to today's event. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's, that's kind of poetic too. (laughs) I mean, but it's so true that it's almost the more mature hunter that appreciates, like they have less the need for blood and more the need to just be out there and exhaling and not distracted just in the moment. Yeah. And you're so right as a new hunter, you're like, or a new fisherman or a new, or anything, anything. you're like, I gotta, I gotta do this thing. And it, but, but it's the thing that drives you over all the hurdles until you're successful, successful and yeah. until you figure you make all the mistakes and you figure out all the things you need to do better yeah. the next time. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I was in Iowa this year, uh, snow goose hunting. And I remember we, I don't know, maybe this feels like an exaggeration, but it felt like, I don't know, 40,000 or 50,000 birds just <laughs> yeah. flew over us, you yeah. know, like could not care less. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just being so frustrated. I got up out of the field and just walked out, which is really like <laughs> childish of me. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah. I just was done that day, you know, and then I kind of just went back to the truck, like, I ate some snacks, drank some coffee, <laughs> yeah. got back together and like went back out in the field and, and it froze my toes off for yeah. the rest of the day, you know, but it's definitely one of those things for me that, you know, if we just look at like the number of, of, of deer we shoot in a season and the number of birds we've shot, like those are just, it's statistics for me. And it's yeah. not, that's why I really enjoy waterfowl hunting at this point in my life, which is that I have an incredible group of friends that I go do this thing with. Right. And it's like, you know, being there with them in those moments, seeing their dogs retrieve, like those, like, that's what really fills the well up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. I was going to say, it seems like in every hunter's career, there comes a point where it's more enjoyable. You mentioned this earlier, more enjoyable for you to teach somebody else what it is. It came super early for me, honestly. I think mostly because my dad just had me out there killing everything (laughs) that was alive. Yeah whether it was legal or not. <laughs> but the the benefit of that was when I was in college, like I was kind of over, over yeah. killing myself, but I got to take a lot of my buddies who had never been hunting before to go shoot their first deer and yeah. stuff. And it can come later for, for people, but it seems like everybody has that kind of switch. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, whether it's having kids or, or just getting burnt out. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's one of those things too that, right. Where, so I still, I still hunt a fair amount. Right. Um, I say hunt a fair amount, provide context. Like I try and hunt like 30, 40 days a season. That's mm, awesome. Right. So it's really like, it's, it's not college days, like where I hunted like right. 75 days, like I hunted <laughs> yeah, every right. day. Right. But throughout the year, I really try and be in the field and present. Right. And there's for me still a real joy in like sharing that food mm-hmm. um, with my kids. Like, you know, whether it's just spaghetti, like, I don't know, there's something to me yeah. where the kids where the kids are making that connection and, and being there and watching you skin out an animal and seeing like you make meat, right? There's yeah, a real, yeah. like there's a real connection there that I think teaches people that intentionality long-term. Yeah, right? for sure. It's interesting. You mentioned waterfowl. I, I was thinking earlier that that's kind of like the, in Texas, but in a lot of places, uh, that's the like major public land mm-hmm, area right. yeah, you know, yeah. all along the coast. And so you have a lot of coastal waterfowl hunters in Texas because the bay system is like everybody's ranch. Yes. You know? And of course, then you add in all the boats with 300 horsepower and stuff, and, you <laughs> yes, know, airboats really and everything weird. else, but it's a huge play land. And, uh, and, and waterfowl is this very, uh, gear heavy it is. sport and you have to have all these things. And so it can be intimidating to get involved in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's also super fun. And like, especially when you've got a big flock that comes over and it's just, oh, yeah. 
and they just you hear the wind coming off their wings (laughs) it's so awesome and um uh but on the public land side of things i remember i mean out there you see lots of other people you know you're you're in a set of grass and maybe you've got some sticks and camouflage around you that you've created or maybe you're in a blind and there's another blind and you can see the people and you can see their barrels sort of sticking up uh, but the first time I was on land, like real land public hunting, I was in Colorado, uh, elk and, and, uh, mule deer hunting. And I remember being in the forest and you got all your orange and stuff and you're like walking around. And then all of a sudden some other guys come around the corner and they're walking around yeah. and they got their orange and yeah. their guns. And you're <laughs> Everybody like, feels surprised. Yeah. And you're like, Hey man, <laughs> Hey, what's going on? Oh, we're, <laughs> where are you going? Like, Have you seen uh... anything? Like, I don't know, probably where you just came from. Are you going to go where I just came from? Cool. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing there. Well, uh, we should just hang out for a while, yeah. you know, but it's all make a 90 degree turn walk opposite direction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll go uphill. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting about the waterfowling, right? I wanted to, like, I tell people like part of what informs my perspective is that I wanted to start duck hunting. Like there's just a culture around duck hunting. Totally. That, like, I don't know. I feel like if you get into duck hunting, you get into the culture of it. Yeah. Right. And I really uh, enjoy traveling. I really enjoy like, so I got, so I got interested in waterfowling. I've told the story a couple of times, but like in, in Maryland uh, on the Susquehanna river, they have the Arve de Grace decoy carving museum. Mm-hmm. So if you've never been, you're driving to Philly from DC, make a stop. It's incredible. And I went there and just started learning about like punt guns and market hunting and yeah. the evolution of that on the Chesapeake Bay and just the mm. culture around it. And got really just like, well, man, I got to be part of this culture, yeah, you know? And it was probably, man, maybe seven, eight, ten years before I like had someone go, yeah, I'll take you hunting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the, like, I think the things about waterfowl hunting that's so interesting is like, is, yeah, there is the access, but it's like, do you need the boat? Like, start yeah. buying decoys and you can buy your cheapos, but like a season or two in, you're like, man, I got to upgrade to the programs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So it ends up being this really gear heavy thing. And it, it ends up being kind of a, a closed club. Right. And there, there, there's value. And I'm not one of those people that says like, Oh, everything should be open for everybody. Like I see a lot of value in people having their organizations and their group of friends and like that community that they've created. But I think that has to be balanced with inviting outsiders in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, I was, I was talking with, with Matt Hughes from TWA today. And like, you know, one of the things that I, I said to him is like, you know, for like hunters are, let's say 5%, right. And let's say 40% of the country supports hunting in some capacity. Uh, we're still not in a majority of people. Yeah, right? right. And the only way that we're going to move the needle, whether you want to talk about increased public land access or protection of species is like for people to care. Yeah. And so that's really part of the one thing that feels very important to me is like, I realize this is a finite pie, right? I realize that we have to keep at some point making the slices smaller and smaller, but I don't think we're at that point, right? I think that we're, we're at a point where we need a lot of people to care and a lot of people to have, for lack of a better term, allyship in the hunting community. Yeah. Right. And so we see that in other, in other areas, but like, are you an ally to hunters? Like, do you advocate on behalf of hunters? And that's, I think the thing that to me, what the work that, that I focus on doing or want to do is that say, Hey, hunting may not be for you. Like ultimately it may be a bit too, for you know, intimate for you, right? Yeah. You making your own meat may be a step too far for you, but you yeah. have an understanding and knowledge and appreciation for someone who's invested in that and you support their ability to continue pursuing that in perpetuity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Well, I want to get uh, more into HOC yeah. in a second, but um, we do a segment on here, which is uh, just rapid fire questions from uh, our producer Haley. So she's all right. Fire our producer questions. Haley. Yeah. Killer hat, by the here way. Here we go. Oh, thanks. She wrote them, by the way. Yeah. All and right. And they're all, <laughs> they're, they're for all three of us. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, okay. I'm not the only one. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah we're with you. All okay. right. First yeah. one is what is your bucket list travel destination? This I'll is go. The easy one, so. Uh, uh, Iceland. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I want to. Oh, yeah. I want to fish I'm so bad in Iceland. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's fine. W- with or without my wife is the. <laughs> uh, you can do both. You can do both. <laughs> I would say with my with my wife probably just going in. Uh, I don't know somewhere exotic. I don't know maybe maybe the other side of the world go to New Zealand just hang out. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say in New Zealand. Uh, I would say in terms of hunting, going and shooting harlequin ducks. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where are they? 
Eastern uh, in Alaska. Mm-hmm. The okay. last place you can shoot harlequin ducks is is Alaska. So. Interesting. Oh, nice. well, wow, yeah. You great. sit on like the side of a rock. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. crazy. Yeah, that's so. Where in Alaska? Just are they everywhere? Like, in... like Bering Strait. I think. Well, it's kind of, yeah, yeah, these are pretty gnarly ducks. Yeah, yeah. no joke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Alaska's on my list, and so yeah. uh, I'm going to come with you and shoot some <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then I'm going to grab Coleman, and we're going to go gonna, catch some salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah go to Iceland. Have you been to Iceland before? No, 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 never. Yeah, we went for our honeymoon. It was a, really? I mean, We just like did like a fast-forward Golden Triangle tour of Iceland, but it was really? incredible. So yeah. y'all did it? Just like everywhere. a week. Yeah. Just burned around Iceland. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's incredible. incredible. Yeah. Nice. Okay, number two. What's your biggest irrational fear? irrational mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah dying in a crowd i'll be 100 percent in a crowd I, yeah i'm like pan like large crowds oh, i just can't good answer yeah, yeah. Is, i can but... i don't think that's irrational yeah actually yeah, yeah. My, i'll go mine is when i'm holding someone's baby and i i just think in my head like oh my god i'm gonna drop this baby don't on its head baby. right now yeah. like i've never dropped a baby in my life but for some reason every time i hold someone else's <laughs> baby that's what i don't know why irrational. wait sorry do you have a uh destination Oh yeah, we I did. said New Zealand too. New Zealand, New Zealand. okay, yeah. we're aligned. Well, yep. wait, hold up. Mine, uh, uh, not just heights, like specifically falling, and and it's almost like I don't trust. You know, you're like standing on a high ledge. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, why did I just have the thought of? <laughs> you know, you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Like a it's catastrophic that, failure. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Why yeah. is that? Yeah, that's mine. Uh, I can't think of a good one, but I don't like holding kids for that very reason. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't want to hold any other babies other than mine. Just in case. Yeah. And I don't have yeah. any more babies. So <laughs> You're right. I'm just opted out of holding. So you retired. Uh, you hung up, the, hung up the gloves. Yeah, because I'm yeah. like, yeah. You've, seen every, you've seen kids or anybody that holds a dog or a kitten and it like okay. wiggles oh, and yeah. it falls and hits the ground. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh. And now it's like limping. And you're like, oh, great. I think yeah. we broke that dog's <laughs> yeah. leg. Like the, the idea that a baby might wiggle yeah. and jump out it's not awesome what are your thoughts on meeting babies meeting babies yeah i don't really care for yeah them. me too i just yeah i think we have alignment there i don't yeah. understand it when people are like you should meet my baby i'm like this is a yeah. very one-way yeah. interaction yeah, and I, yeah. yeah. Well, also, and by the way i have four kids so like i'm yeah. no stranger to meeting new babies yeah, yeah. 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 but other than other than they pretty my much children, all do the same thing so like yeah, once you meet like, once you've met one you've met them all ugly too. And, and that's the thing i'll be the first to tell you if it's an ugly baby yeah there are some Ooh, so. you better watch out colin well they yeah. grow up they're yet. not gonna look at Karma's all like that they here's some funky looking babies but you can't don't don't tell people they have ugly babies yeah yeah you don't just have you just don't be effusive about how beautiful right 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 is you know they know Know. Parents know when their baby's I, a little rough. I actually know what mine is. Uh, the depths of the ocean. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, uh, Man, that's no joke. We we hauled a boat, a 21-foot uh, Promaster okay. Bay boat to Key West from Texas. Yeah. And, uh, well, we hauled it to the Keys, like Key Marathon or something, uh-huh. Key Largo. And then we were like, we should go down to Key West and launch it at mile marker zero. You guys can make a run. And so we haul it all the way down to Key West, and we launch it. And, uh, you know, there are these huge, crazy waves and stuff. And you're like, ooh, trying to get out of the harbor and these big ships passing by. And I was like, well, this is maybe not the right place for this boat. And so, um, yeah. uh, and so this was like a day after we had been there or something. So we come back and we just launch it like in Key Largo or Key Marathon. And, you know, the shelf on the east side of the Keys drops off real fast. And so we're, I say we, I, it might've just been me on the boat on the initial run, but let's say somebody else was in the boat and I've got a depth finder and it's a 130 Johnson. It's like a 97 model or something, two stroke, just like blowing a little bit of blue out the yeah. back. And, and it literally burned a mile a gallon. I mean, a gallon every mile you went. So it was like sucking fuel. Yeah. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I, fl- I go out and I'm only like 10 miles offshore. I can still see everything. And the, and then all of a sudden it goes from like 50 feet and it just drops off to two, three, yeah. And I'm in like 400 nope. feet of water and I have flying fish that are chasing along yeah. the side of the boat and stuff. And I'm, yeah. and I sort of stop and I'm like, just idling, blah, 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 blah. And I kind of look down uh-uh. and I know uh-uh. I see on the depth, it's just 400 feet. And I'm looking down, I'm in this little time. It's 21 feet, but yeah. now I feel tiny. <laughs> yeah. And I just look over the side and it's just clear and dark and deep. Yeah, and I was like, if my motor shuts off, or and I'm just floating out here, or or something's down there and comes up, or (laughs) yeah, I sink, or whatever it is, and I was like, 
and we're going back. <laughs> we're going to yeah. not pass that five it's mile. It's crazy roof. what the imagination does though. Yeah. 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 Well, and they say the depths of the ocean is less understood and less explored yeah. than like all the mountains and most of the oh. planets and the moon and stuff like that. Yeah. It's crazy. I saw like a, a video on Instagram of like them doing a comparison. And so there was like, Oh, like the length of blue whale. And then it goes longer than Eiffel tower which Eiffel Tower, you yeah, know, yeah. still, and then it just keeps going. It doesn't even stop. Yeah. yeah. I always think it's interesting. You know, you like, you see those like old, uh, like maritime drawings, like sea monsters. Yeah. yeah. And then they're like, oh, and then we found this giant squid last week, but don't worry. You're like, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. true. You're like, yeah. no, wait, go back to that. Go <laughs> yeah. back to that. Yeah. 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 Refresh, refresh. The giant squids are true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think about uh, the different sailors that, that, Cross the Atlantic with wind sails. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. a lot of passengers, and they had no idea where they were going. They were they were navigators, or when exploring. they would get there, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then they also like, only probably thought it was like 100 feet deep. Yeah, I was gonna say ignorance yeah. might have been bliss in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah true. Yeah. All right, sorry. All right, next, next up, question. if you had to choose one other outdoor sport outside of hunting, and you could only do that forever and ever, what would it be? Oh, that's an easy one for sure. Fly fishing for me. Oh yeah, fly fishing hands down. No, good. Yeah, man. let's go. No, you can't say salt water or freshwater. Though. Do we have to make a distinction there? How <laughs> no. niche do we have to go? Oh man, I'm gonna say salt water. Yeah, it's more fun to me. Yeah. Though. I don't know. I like a ditch pickle. <laughs> There's something great about just catching bass yeah. with like little water. You know? That's yeah. true. I'll probably be like, dang, I'm catching fish. <laughs> uh. I don't know. I I really enjoy camping. I don't know if that's necessarily yeah, a sport, yeah. but like so. backpacking, hiking. Yeah, um, that's good. You know, I I uh, there's just something about like sitting yeah. out yeah. in a tent underneath the stars around a campfire. And, yeah. I mean, that can interact with a lot of other things, but when you've got it all on your back and you're walking through the woods, uh, it's a pretty great. Yeah, pretty great feeling. You got a trip coming up with your daughter, right? Yeah, where are you going? Uh, we're going to Zion next week uh, National Park. And, um, Sweet. so we're going to do a couple of days of hiking and then nice. we've got a full day of canyoneering on Sunday. Nice. And then, uh, I was sort of working on all this last night, last minute, trying to get all these plans dialed in. Uh, then I think we're going to go to Bryce Canyon okay. on Monday and then ride horses through Bryce Canyon to see it and then yeah. go fly fishing on Wednesday and then drive back. That's what's up. Narrows, right? Uh, the Narrows is in Zion. Uh, I think we're not going to do narrows. Okay. Uh, right now, the the CFM uh, or the whatever is really high, and so okay. it's closed because of snowmelt. Yeah, because of snowmelt, and it's supposed to probably open when we get there. Uh, but we're, but you're basically walking in a r- rocky river, right? You know, and so the chance to roll an ankle or and my daughter has knee issues potentially, and I'm like. Let's uh, maybe not do that. Let's do a yeah. bunch of other things. Yeah. We're going canyoneering for a whole day, which is basically what the Narrows is, is walking through a slot canyon. Yeah. And so we'll have some private slot canyon stuff for eight hours, and so we'll focus on that. But, yeah, Angel's Sweet. Landing, we're going to try to get the permit to go to the top of that oh, deal, nice. which would be Sweet. pretty cool. That's what I hear a lot about. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, man. Take your four-wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah, you leave the crowds behind, man. That's right. That's, That's the right. best. That's right. All right. Last meal ever. You get to choose what it is. What is that? Oh, Classic. I'm gonna go nice steak dinner. Probably at like a nice steakhouse. Really? Oh man. You've been to Carve in Austin? I have. I'm not a steakhouse guy. Though. Okay. Like you, you may want to rethink. I'm just. Saying. I get. I go to a lot of steakhouses for work, and uh, it sounds like such like a like a crappy thing to bitch about, but <laughs> I just don't like all like the 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 fussing. Yeah, it's know? pomp yeah. and circumstance. Yeah. yeah. Bring me another. Yeah. That, yeah, like, yeah. I just don't. I just don't I enjoy it. that. You yeah. know. Uh, no, that's fair. Forty or fifty dollar piece yeah. of meat on a white plate, white yeah, tablecloth, like, and you're just. And like, I was like yeah. spilling myself. Like, yeah, you know. uh, probably yes. a hamburger, man. I'm a big, it's a good answer. Go. Big hamburger, man. Yeah, awesome. Nice. That or cheese enchiladas. Ooh, yeah. man. I'm going chicken fried steak, okay. mashed potatoes, lots of gravy. green beans, just like a really good biscuit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Let's go. What, what's your skin? That's a good classic uh, go-to. Yeah. My classic go-tos are cheese enchiladas or chicken fried steak. If I'm on the road, like at a diner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man, almost anything that my wife makes is like something I would eat. She makes these awesome biscuits. Um, she tell you to say breakfast. That. I know. Uh, <laughs> she makes this hash that's really good. It's like 
uh, sweet potatoes and meat yeah. and onions okay. and stuff. Awesome. She, I don't know. Pretty much anything she cooks, I like would rather yeah. eat her food than That's a restaurant awesome. any day. Pick yeah. a good one, though. I know. That's such a safe answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, last one. It's my personal favorite. Yeah. Who are you Sorry. choosing? You would have to have... We would have to have mac and cheese, though. Ooh, yeah. Yes, okay, yes. keep going. All right. You have baked mac and cheese? Yeah, also, a whole lot of gluten for me. Yeah, and it could be anything. <laughs> anything, as long as mac and cheese. Typically, I'm typically a stovetop yeah, mac and cheese, but but, yeah. uh, but baked with a little crumble on it. Whatever meal's got a ton of dairy and a and ton gluten. of gluten for yeah, me. Yeah, since you're never Because it's going to be the last meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who are you choosing to represent Earth in an alien invasion? Great question. Our representative. Who's it going to be? Wow. Great question. Oh, man. Man, Joe Rogan is a great answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Haynes is a great answer. I feel like he just yeah. just got the face, got the look. Also, I'm, The Rock. I'm going Jason. I'm just spinning off a bunch right now. I'm going Jason Bateman. <laughs> Jason oh, Bateman. He's my favorite. When you say represent, is it like this is the epitome of the human race? Or is this the person that's like, going to go speak for us? Like, well, that's what Yes, yeah. like they're setting How up a meeting. How they? Our leader versus their leader. Who's our leader? Something to think about. Oh, gosh. Well, because they come and they were like scrambling, like, oh, who needs to talk to them? Do they have to be alive? I don't know. Let's say no. I'm going to give you the answer. All y'all's answers are wrong. It's Willie Nelson. I knew you were going to say that. The second I read this. That's a good one. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I mean. He just give him a little doobie. Come in peace. (laughs) Make a deal. That's a good, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I always just assume aliens are hostile, you know. (laughs) I'm like ready for some Independence Day action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why Will's Joseph Robinette Biden up there leading us. Yeah. All yeah. jokes aside, uh, <laughs> yeah, not that would not be my pick. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think is, I think is Trump like legitimately an okay answer? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think, think so. We, be... we're, we're like we really need like some 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 plain Jane sort of like yeah, yeah. tough talking. I think definitely a Texan. Yeah, definitely on the vibe. For sure. uh, yeah, like Tommy Lee. Jones oh, you know or what? I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all like George he W. Bush would probably yeah. like, not, but like present day George W. Bush, like yeah. painting George W. Bush yeah. would probably yeah. be yeah. the dude I send. Yeah. You know, yeah. like W. Bush. Like yeah. you know, you've got a softer side now. Yeah, like I, I think so. Yeah. I think that guy's on the vibe. Yeah, yeah. he dealt with nine eleven. I, I I think uh, for somebody to have approachability and wisdom and make hard decisions. Yeah. And, and have grace that he definitely epitomizes that yeah especially with like aliens right for sure with yeah aliens. for sure all right he'd be like y'all y'all come out to the ranch <laughs> come out to the ranch <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get this figured out yeah, yeah. they're like no no we've seen we've seen yeah, the ranch. they're like at know like reunion. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know if we sped around that or uh but it was, it was great yeah thank you Haley. of course great questions producer out yeah, great yeah. producing yeah Uh, going back into, uh, hunters of color, uh, kind of lay out their mission again. Um, yeah, their, their mission is to, uh, really expand the outdoor space in terms of who's participating. Uh, and we do that through, for really thinking through our programming in terms of what we're presenting to people and the opportunities that we're creating and ultimately looking to have people who don't just come hunt once, but who end up buying hunting licenses and really are contributing to the revenue for conservation, right? Like when we get down to it, that's the goal of hunters of color is to recruit new hunters and conservationists into this effort. And by really providing opportunities, whether they're consumptive or non-consumptive opportunities for people to come and learn about the land, to learn about nature, to learn about these ecosystems, water, and really be invested in that. Right. And so that looks like, oftentimes people who maybe look like you being there and oftentimes people who don't look like you being there to really challenge what you think this looks like. Like what does, what does, like I always think of like, this is like the probably like antithetical to the idea of being outdoors, like floating the river. Right. Yeah. Like if you go and float the river and you see other people like you on the river, like you may feel like an affinity towards those people doing the similar activity. Right. Uh, And so really the goal of HOC is to provide that space for people to come in be comfortable and learn, and then also be an advocate for that 
same activity in the future going forward. Cool. Yeah. What, what is the, the importance of food sovereignty to, to, yeah. So I think that like, just in general, we're seeing this sort of awareness, uh, in the U S and really, you know, internationally people looking to be self-sufficient in some capacity. Right. Okay. And I think that for, for HOC particularly, and I'm not as well versed in this cause that's not my community, but particularly in the indigenous space, um, you know, there's, there's, it, it's, it's the way of life, uh, in those communities. Right. And so HOC's goal in part, particularly with the work that we do with indigenous communities is to help provide that connection. Right. I think there's a lot of assumptions that people make about, you know, what being native or what being an Indian means. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we just like, maybe we assume that people just because you're, you know, uh, a member of a nation that you know how to hunt, right? And so that doesn't always the case and oftentimes isn't the case. And so having people come in and partner with those communities and help teach them, like um, there's a guy, his name's Josh, he runs Modoc Bows and uh, he's native. And one of his big things is going and teaching uh, bow making hmm. um, throughout you know uh, indigenous communities. And like Josh and I were speaking a while back, he's like, you know, sometimes there's even like concerns about him coming in because of his understanding and methodologies and bow making is for his tribe, right? And teaching oh. those skills like, well, we don't build bows like that, right? And so learning how to sort of address those concerns gotcha. and respect those traditions and those values, but also empower people to like get started in their learning curve, right? Yeah. And so food sovereignty is very much in that same ilk in which we're like, we want to teach people like, hey, this is how you go procure your own proteins or this is how you forage for mushrooms or this is sort of how you can exist in this in this space and have food right yeah um so really giving people confidence to learn and also a platform to do that learning in safely that's cool you're almost reteaching society this right i mean i think for me right we are sort of reteaching people like reconnecting people right. I, yeah. I think about you know this is kind of an aside, but like in my, at my family's ranch, we still have like the old butter churn, right? Yeah. Like no one's like, if you go to ranches all over, there's farms all over, there's gonna be butter churns everywhere. Like I've never yeah. churned butter, right? Like, <laughs> right. But here's this tool. And maybe if I got interested enough, I'd go clean it up and use it. Right. Now here I'd have that skill again. Right. right. And that's a lot of, for me, what this is about, which is teaching people like, Hey, these are skills that you should learn and that they will, Val like have value in your life beyond what we're just doing here today. Yeah. So interesting to me, just like the loss of technology and the like the loss of of we just forget over time how to do things. Yeah, we do. Loss, we know? do. We're one EMP away from being analog again. Right. right? right. Like that's the reality. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, we're not really. Trying. We have all these like RFI protected buildings and stuff. Right. But, like the reality is like. We're in this like super technological, like the future is now, right? Like minus yeah. flying cars. Yeah. Right. Uh, we live in like this future society where we're like implanting like synthetic valves into people and all sorts of crazy right. stuff. Right. Uh, but, but I do think that there's just this huge value in being connected. Yeah. Right. And whether that's connected to like the water you're drinking, which I think everyone like foundationally, you are connected to the water you drink. Yeah. Um, or whether it's the food you consume, all of it for me has much greater value when I'm connected to it. Yeah. That's awesome. What the diversity of hunting now, how do you see it? Where do you see it going? Um, I mean, this is a very different space than when I started hunting. Yeah. Right. I'm sure. like super encouraged just by particularly, you know, folks in, in sort of the, the, the generation that I've come up with, just their interest in it. Yeah. Right. It used to be kind of like this, like, let's go have a boys weekend at the ranch. Yeah. You know, and now it's like, let's go invite new people and let's go have this experience and let's go this place and see these things and embrace this culture. And so like, yeah. for me, I see, I, and I think it sort of mirrors our larger uh, societal shifts in which we've seen people just, you know, become part of communities very naturally. Mm. So I just see more of the same, right? Like I think yeah. that the greatest challenge is going to be taking folks who are from an urban environment and and presenting them, particularly around firearms, right? There's a lot of stuff in our in our culture right now around firearms. There's a lot of division over it. And certainly not to say that that it's not an important issue. I think it's a critically important issue for us. But, you know, the guns that I'm hunting with, like I don't think should be um, – 
really a division point for us, right? right? And I think just presenting that to people in a way that feels accessible and non-threatening, right, is, yeah. is really important. Yeah, and getting people out and, and going on these hunts with you and seeing it for the first time seems like that always helps people like understand oh, wait just demystify it right? right yeah right, like yeah. i just want to demystify this for people yeah. like yeah what does it mean to 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 use a gun as a tool mm-hmm. right because ultimately a gun is a tool like i grew up around guns and i never like they never seemed like an issue to me but i also want to recognize that people grew up with guns and they were an issue for them yeah right so it's not fair to just be like oh it's not a problem right because it is a problem for some people yeah um, but really sort of saying like, hey, this is the way in which I'm, and it's not to necessarily validate myself or validate this community to others, but to just say, hey, your, 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 your conception, your preconceptions are just wrong. Like they're, yeah. this is very different than what you right. believe right. or what yeah. you've been led to believe. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the culture shift that you're talking about is existing in all outdoor sports. Uh, I mean, I think it's a lot of outdoor sports, yeah. you know, like. You know, I'm primarily focused in the hunting space, sure. right? And I, yeah. I fly fish a lot. Um, but, you know, I just also think there's more awareness. Like, that's one of the things I love about social media is, like, you can find out about some dude in the middle of Missouri right now. Right. You know, there's, like, there's a young younger guy, I think, in Louisiana who's, like, you know, blowing up on social media and he's just all about hunting and fishing. And, and here he is. Like, yeah. do you think that a, a, an African-American kid in Louisiana would be into that? Like, if you'd asked me 15 years ago, I'd say maybe, you yeah. know, probably not. Yeah. And then today, like you find out, like no, there's this whole community around it, right? Right. Otherwise, you would nobody would have ever you heard just about exi- this. You guy. just exist in ignorance, right? right? right exactly. um, and I think that's the the major value of social media, which is like it gives you information in somewhat real time. Yeah. And like that's not to say some of it's not highly curated. Like sure. a lot of it is highly curated, sure. but those fact of the matter is like these things still exist. No one's creating a fictitious person on, on social media. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe they're creating a so, fictitious life, but yeah, like yeah. there's a real person yeah. there at some point. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Behind the, behind the yeah. screen is a real person. Yeah. Um, I think we have one more segment from our producer. Okay. Um, and she's back. And she's back. Yeah. This is a. Yeah. Okay. So we like to do an on this date in history. June 23rd, Nick Walenda becomes the first man to successfully walk across the Grand Canyon on a tightrope. My hands are sweating even thinking about that. Yeah, that's a hard pass. Yeah. Yeah, hard. <laughs> yeah no thanks. Candace, you want to do that in a... Nope. Uh, I sure don't. Uh, it's it's, it's gotta, not rocks. It's got to be like a section that's kind of... Surely, Surely. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's real. going to the mouth of the canyon. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah. I think my man's to, going over the, north to a south. proper. Yeah, he's going <laughs> yeah. north room to south room. Yeah, yeah, he's propping up a uh, what's the the tents that you camp in when you're climbing big walls? What do they call it? like port of hang? Oh, yeah, port, yeah. port of hang or something. Yeah, port of edge. One of the port of edge on the yeah, I'm out. Slack line. Yeah, no thanks. Heights, remember? Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about like the engineering that goes behind that, right? Like, right. Yeah, you because make, somehow you get a... You can make assumptions about the rock condition, right? Yeah. It's like the construction in me. Like, you can make assumptions about, like, the compaction rate and how, how much this will actually hold. Yeah. And, like, yeah. you better hope it actually does, yeah. right? It's yeah. granite, and we drilled the hole, so there should be no fracturing. There should be no fracturing. <laughs> and we, we tense this thing up enough so that it's so taut that a guy can walk across it without it, like, just sagging and drooping. Yeah. Probably that's not going to pull the rock yeah. apart. Let's, let's do more than one anchor. Um, yeah. 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 Have you done the, the, the North Room Road? Uh, there's like a there's like a forest service road you can take okay um and that leads you like to this campsite that's like right on the north rim really yeah it's it's super he was pretty recently there i mean i was yeah i we left from the north rim and there's a whole campsite and there's so not the lodge not not the lodge like it's a it's it's about a three-hour drive when you leave the lodge to go through this like whole system of forest service roads and like there's like i'll drop you a pin oh yeah yeah Huh, my wife and I drove there. I was like, it's only seven miles. How long will that take? Oh, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. Three hours? Uh, three hours each way. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. gosh. Yeah, no we were way. very late getting to where we were yeah, supposed no to. no way. Yeah. You can yeah. see it. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, in, though. Really? Yeah. 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 I did that in uh, Big Bend Ranch State Park. Yeah. Same kind of deal. I was like, oh, it's just like right there, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Two and a half hours later. Yeah, fully locked and four low. <laughs> yeah, <nice. laughs> It takes a little while. Uh, yeah. 
That sounds awesome. Uh, I'm going to need that. Bin. I don't, yeah. We're taking the big rig and the camper, though. It's pretty tight. Uh, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, 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 it's probably not. Uh, but I don't know. It's it's a fairly well-known trail, but yeah. Yeah, it's, interesting. Uh, you might camp there, you know? Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm a big fan. Like, shout out to Forest Service Camping. Like, hey, yeah. If you don't know, go look it up. You can camp in the forest for, yeah. like, your permit, right? Yeah. It's like 85 bucks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no reservations, no toilets, and no Wi-Fi. There you go. Um, good. But it sounds ideal. It's good, clean living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good segue into this, but what is some advice that you have for somebody? We talked about how it is pretty. It is a pretty gear-heavy uh, yeah. world, the, the waterfowl um, sport of that. Yeah. What are some, what's some practical advice for somebody trying to get into it? The gear you have works. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, like – is I'm a big fan of like Patagonia, right? Yeah. And, and the work that they do, but just a big fan of their gear. Um, you know, not everybody has, you know, three or 4,000 or $5,000 to get rigged yeah. up in the latest, greatest, you know, Sitka or right. you know, duck camp or whatever your brand is. Like it's all phenomenal gear. Go buy it, support the companies. Yeah. Um, but the gear you have works, right? Like, you know, the, the, the jacket you have will get you out fishing that, you know, the shoes you wear to hike and, and to go backpacking will get you into the back country. Like that's like, that's really my advice to people. And, and don't be afraid to borrow gear, you yeah. know, don't be afraid yeah. to ask. I mean, I know a lot of times, particularly with firearms, like I'm not super, like not going to just hand out guns to anybody. Yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, if I'm going on a hunt with somebody, I'm more than happy to bring, you know, an extra gun or two with me and walk them through it and, you know, particularly like with close friends and family members, I've lent out guns for a season just to get people going. But, you know, don't be afraid to ask. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, in, in as a young person and then even into, you know, married children life, there were a lot of things that I did. And I was like, well, I have to have this before I can go mm-hmm. do this thing. And then I would do this one thing and I would be like, I don't really like that thing yeah. so much. And, uh, or I'd realize, well, I didn't really need that to go yeah. do this thing. And so I think, I think your message of just get out there and go do it. And then like, as you create a stronger affinity for it and you want better gear, that's going to allow you to perform better then start upgrading, but don't be put off by like, I need five grand worth of gear and binos <laughs> right. and stuff was, to go do this. I was thinking that kind of reminds me, right. I, I was, uh, putting together a new uh, saltwater fly rod. And I was like super interested in, in this one waterworks lamps and reel. I'm a huge fan of their stuff. Uh, and I, I called him up and I'm like, Hey man, is this, is this real like good for the saltwater? You know? And he was like, man, every reel is good for the saltwater. Yeah. Like literally yeah. like if it holds line and it does what you need yeah. to do, just rinse it out. Like, yeah. right. are you a professional guide? I was like, no, I'm not a professional guide. He's yeah. like, then you're not going to use it enough for it to matter. Yeah. Just go yeah. fish. Yeah. You yeah. know? And I just really appreciated that perspective of like, you know, maybe you need to do a little bit more maintenance to your gear, but you've got it and go use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. a good answer. I like that a lot. I think the biggest thing with, uh, with saltwater reels is, the strength of the drag yeah. because the fish is, is a harder fighting fish. And so traditionally yeah. or historically the, a, a river reel, you couldn't upgrade it cause you would just, it would burn out your drag for sure. Yeah. For sure. But you know, if you're chasing, you know, schooly sized stripers yeah, or, that's true. you yeah. know, comparatively sized fish, right? Like right. maybe yeah. we're not going to go chase tarpon with it. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, going after redfish or, or, whatever specs like you're good to go just yeah, go do yeah. it you yeah. know if you burn up a reel like now you've got a great excuse yeah. to go, <laughs> yeah. go upgrade yeah. so yeah that's awesome the curiosity people is always gonna make you like still want to go after that big fish even if it's a <laughs> yeah, time. I mean, you're like i'm still throwing a fly it's okay, at throw it. <laughs> i don't care how you small might take it. you know yeah yeah it's so fun. man i was uh uh bait casting uh pretty sure i was fishing touts and sea drift a long time ago in the winter and I'd caught a couple redfish and released them. And I remember like, like looking at it and be like, all right, when I get back to the boat, I need to, I need to cut this and tie it again. It's just got, it's had enough work on it that yeah. that line might fray, you know, and I'm casting and I see this tail, you know, and I boom and I land into this red and, and I just kept loosening my drag. Cause all I could think was, I can't believe I'm in this monster red. <laughs> yeah. And I just looked at my line. Like yeah. when I get back to the boat, I need to retie this because yeah. it's getting frayed out. And so I worked that fish for like 30 minutes or yeah. something yeah. and, uh, and, and landed it and couldn't believe it. 
line. Held this fish up. It's like it's like yeah. thirty one inch red, yeah. just yeah. huge red. Yeah. And uh, awesome. but the entire time I was thinking I'm gonna lose this yeah. fish because yeah. of that. And I knew, that and, I, and I knew better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I knew better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Well, dude, I just want to uh, end with one question. It's a question we ask everybody. Yeah. In in one sentence, if you can, what does the outdoors mean to you? Man, that's a great question. I, I think it, it to me it 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 ultimately means possibility, right? Like every time you you know you walk out your door and you go and enter in these spaces, like you just never know what's gonna happen, right? And yeah. you may have this moment that's just transformative. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you go and you get really cold and it sucks, and you go drink coffee that's cold, you know. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes you go and you see stuff that literally just sticks with you for the rest of your life. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. cool. Uh, we'll do plug your stuff. Where can people learn about you? Yeah. So HOC, HOC uh, Instagram website, huntersofcolor.org. Um, my Instagram is Baba goes outside. Um, that's probably the best way to hit me up. Send me an email. Bashir at huntersofcolor.org. Uh, we've got, you know, some great hunts lined up with some great partners this season. Uh, we're going to be doing some, some whitetail hunting. We're going to plan on doing some duck hunting, some deer hunting. Some, nice. You know, basically, cool. my goal is really to showcase uh, the state that I love, right? Yeah. Um, Amen. Shout out to, to East Texas and West Texas, places that don't get enough love, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big part of what we're hoping to do is to show people that, you know, it's not just Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, Austin, right? Yeah. There, there's this whole great big state that yeah. is, is more diverse than you realize. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. You got any trips coming up, personally? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to Montana. I'm going to Montana here in about, uh, I don't know, 10 days when I get back from Sweet. Brazil. Uh, my mother-in-law lives up in Montana, so we're going to go oh, nice. to a little family trip. Uh, a good buddy of mine's coming from Maryland. We're going to go fish the snake awesome. uh, in the Henry's Fork uh, for about five That's days. Incredible. So it'll be a good trip. And, yeah. yeah, man, just buzzing around, and then, you know, we'll be at hunting season before we know. Before we know. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, be back please. to the grind, this grind that we love, yeah. right? So. Well, thanks again for coming yeah. on, man. Really, thanks for having us. Me. Really, uh, really enjoy what yeah. you guys are about. So. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it.